0: Hello everyone, welcome back to The Lily Kate Show. I'm just kind of getting over this weird, odd, congestion, head cold, so I sound a little bit nasally, so forgive me for that. You're gonna love this episode today because it's talking and directly attacking this transgender movement, just because they are coming after womanhood, they are coming after us girls, and it's time that we start engaging in this fight and actually start to get things done because before we know it, all of a sudden we will be defined out of existence and only transgender men are going to be allowed to be women And we're not going to be allowed to be women anymore. If you think I'm joking, give it 15 years and you'll see that I'm right. And that I called it right here on the Lily Kate show, the University of Alabama. So like, I, I believe the one who has like the iconic football team, they are going to allow and have been allowing men into women's sororities. Okay. There's a Libs of TikTok video that just went viral talking about this guy's experience of rushing and he says it's like day five or six or something of rushing. Um, and he is now able, apparently, to get into a girl's sorority. That goes without saying if this individual, this man, gets into a sorority, that means that he is going to live in a house with all of these other women, and of course, no one's talking about that because a lot of people are either unfamiliar with Greek life or just don't know about the corruption that's happening. I would say this is probably worse than the whole Leah Thomas issue, but we're, we're gonna play this clip really quick because I want to highlight how scary this is that we are now allowing men into women's sororities.
1: Hey y'all, it's Grant. Today is day five of Alabama Rush,
0: and it is the first day of sisterhood around. I'm so excited. I cannot wait um so I'm gonna give you guys an OOTD and yeah so my shirt is my dress is from hello Molly thank you so much hello Molly love you my like this thing is from Shin my shoes are from Shin and my ring is from graduation oh not again that is so funny and uh, yep that's it. So, wish me luck today and thank you so much. And my makeup is done by me again. How Incredibly dangerous for the actual women and the actual girls that are in that sorority, and it's really funny because when you're talking about the left and when you're talking about men pretending to be women, you absolutely always see this—the people who are pretending trying to have this like fake high voice, hey trying to have the sing-songy like voice—and unfortunately, that's not going to fool anyone. We're not going to think that you're magically a woman just because in some cases you. grow your hair out like mine or in other cases you wear a black dress like mine okay just because you're acting like a woman does not mean you are a woman and that's one of the big things that generation z is so confused about is so wrecked about and absolutely needs to be talked about because the left is confusing generation z and leaving us to a life of despair and confusion and misery if we make decisions that are completely against our biology and Completely against the way that God actually designed us to be. The whole transgender narrative, and I just want to say this really quick before we move into a little bit more analysis. The whole transgender narrative is, is absolutely saying that God makes mistakes. It's saying that God made me imperfect. Well, obviously, we're all imperfect because all who sin to fall short of the glory of God, as it says in Romans. But It is saying that the way God designed me in his plan, in my mother's womb, in heaven, he knew me before I was born, like it says in Jeremiah chapter one. He's saying that the transgender narrative is literally flipping off God and saying, actually, God made a mistake. God made me imperfect. And I have to take whatever means possible, whether that's wearing a dress, putting on makeup, making my voice really high and trying to convince people that I'm a woman. And I'm gonna take every possible chance that I have, even if that means hormone therapy and surgery Three, two, reverse the mistakes that God made. Give me a, um, the transgender narrative is literally flipping off God and saying, you made a mistake, God. You made me imperfect and you made me in a way where I have to clean up the mess now. I have to set things straight. I am the author and giver of life. I am the person who is in charge. I am the person who is able to make correct decisions about me. But little do they know, God knows them better than they know themselves. God does not make mistakes. And you're just meddling with your biology because you are lost and confused. And it's very sad. And you know, the broader point is this is erasing women. This is completely and utterly erasing what it means to be a woman, the speciality of what it means to be a woman. It's erasing womanhood and it's erasing women in their very nature. I want to talk about how female is being erased. Everything female is at risk of being completely erased, not within the next hundred years, guys, not within the next 50 years, but I would say within the next 10 years. These radical gender ideologues and militants are absolutely out to get women. And I want to relate this all the way back to Genesis chapter 3. In Genesis chapter three, Satan decided to target and go for the women. He went for the what traditionally we call the weaker vessel because we're physically a lot, a lot of the times weaker than men. And so that's what we mean. Satan went after the woman and asked her, did God really say that? Is God really perfect? Did God actually um Did God actually do this thing and say this thing? And so as you can see, Satan again is absolutely targeting women with this issue because he is trying to erase what I believe is the most powerful of the two sexes because we are the gatekeepers to relationships and new life. And those are the things that make the world go round. And so as we can see with the rise of this transgender narrative, all female things such as motherhood or childbirth, or femininity, or softness, or the pursuit of inner beauty, the virtue of being a homemaker, being a wife, or being a caretaker of children, all of those things are becoming non-binary and non-beautiful, not special to women anymore. And there's not even a place where women can have a carve-out in society for women alone. You see, I'm an anti-feminist. I'm not a feminist. And my the hill that I'm going to die on in this life is going to be fighting against against radical feminism but the thing is though up until the sexual revolution And of course a little bit into the 1990s And onwards Women tried so hard to create institutions That were only for the girls Pageantry, cultural events Women's only festivals Getting women to into higher education Getting women places in government Getting women in the corporate education Or uh, the corporate American um, Corporate system Carving out places for women And they worked hard for this Now I may not agree with all of it And I may not agree With, of course, some of the outcomes of it, but absolutely, they worked very hard for it. And what this transgender narrative is doing is folding right back in on this. They are saying what those feminists did, what our grandmothers did, is stupid, wrong, and not worth it because we are going to re give and start to concede that men can be allowed in women's sports, in women's pageants, in women's only events, in cultural women's things, and now in sororities see women are special and this is the message that I want to get across to any girls in the chat women are powerful and this trans movement is trying to take that away from you They are trying to dismantle you of your source of power, which is your femininity. They are absolutely trying to set you back and make you feel as if you are unspecial. You are unworthy of having your own special institutions, of having your own carve-outs in society. They are trying to take away what it means to be a woman and claim it for themselves. These men who think that they are women are absolutely not women, first of all, but they are actually trying to take away what it means to be a woman and claim it for themselves. That's what they're trying to do. They're trying to steal your identity as a woman. This transgender narrative demands that we have these kinds of sports and institutions and allow their fantasies and their non-realities to be permeated throughout society. And this is one of the biggest issues that we are facing today. It's interesting because for all of human history, we've all been totally fine with just having men and just having women. And all of a sudden, that's changing right now. I don't know if those transgender people have heard of this, but guess what? There's a thing called a fraternity. If you're a man, that's what Greek life is for. Fraternities and sororities. For men, fraternities and women, sororities. You have the option. You have the ability to go and be in a group of people that you relate to. But no, you want to try and take something that is for the girls and try and take it for yourself. But I want to talk about another example of how the left is completely and utterly erasing women because there is this play that's coming out now and this play is called I Joanne and This play is set up to be this really amazing, really new, really incredible women's empowerment play. And so for those of you who don't know, NBC reports there is a legendary French heroine, Joan of Arc. You've probably all heard of her before. She will be portrayed as a non-binary in a radical departure from the historic figure's usual depiction at the London Globe Theater. So it's not just me on the fringes um, who's reporting. reporting on this it's actually um, being reported on in many different um, places so Joan of Arc I'm going to get a little boring for a second because it actually is important to the point of this Um, Joan of Arc is a patron saint of France so she was during the Hundred Years War with England and she pretty much is significant for leading several military actions against um, England in the Hundred Years War and she was captured and then she was handed over from the French to the English authorities Well, I guess she was captured by the English and then handed over. She was then convicted as a heretic, and she was burned at the stake in the year 1431. Joan of Arc, absolutely a woman, no question about it, never has been in question since the year that she was born in the early, or in the late 13th, or I guess in the late 12th century, right? She was burned at the stake for being a heretic in 1431. And now, of course, she's thought of as a brave light saint figure with honor and faith. And she died for a cause. She died for a purpose. She fulfilled her calling as a historical figure. This is another example of the left erasing women from existence. They are trying to erase the historically important and significant figures and the historically important and um, relevant things that women have done in the name of wokeism. They are trying to rewrite history without women because they're trying to make everyone non-binary and they're trying to make all women they-thems and trying to make all women non-binary. This is terribly disgusting, terribly bigoted, and I don't understand how the left doesn't see what they're doing unless they're doing it on purpose, which is kind of where I'm landing. So this is erasing, yes, women's historical significance as well. Okay, so I want to talk about this because the left is always talking about Women's History Month, we know like the month of February or March, I don't remember, is Women's History Month, and it's important that we celebrate women's accomplishments in history. Well, Joan of Arc is absolutely supposed to be celebrated in Women's History Month, but they don't. The left doesn't because they're trying to erase her and make her non binary. Out of one side of the left's mouth, they're saying that. Women are so important historically, and then on the other side of their mouth, they're saying that actually she was non-binary and nothing, nothing of hers is actually uh, accredited to her female and her being a woman. And I'm like, you're literally diminishing the most important characteristics and roles of people, and you're diminishing. Honor and courage and love and the significance of Joan of Arc's accomplishments. And you're trying to say that actually all those things don't matter. The only thing that matters is that she was actually non-binary. Do you see what they're trying to do? the left is trying to make the most important thing about people their pronouns. It's trying to make the most important thing about people their um, how they identify. And I'm like, you know what's way more important than someone's pronouns? What they did for the church, what they did for history, what they did for the significance of time and what they did to advance the kingdom. That's the most important thing about them. Not that their pronouns were they, them, or they were non-binary like that's totally irrelevant and also totally historically inaccurate and so this is what the left of course as we know and constantly know is trying to do they're trying to destroy womanhood through the guise of wokeism because women are so powerful women are so amazing and absolutely trying to um destroy what it means to be feminine to end this section on a more positive note I believe that seriously we girls are going to step up to the plate fight for our truth fight for the definition of what it means to be a woman and fight for femininity because when we stand up and fight things get vicious and things get done I'd like to welcome Jordan Sarmo a long awaited guest onto the Lily Kate show today Um, I hope you enjoy this section he is wonderful and I'll absolutely have him back as soon as humanly possible (laughs) Jordan, this has been a long time coming. How are you today? I'm
1: doing good. I'm, doing, I'm happy. I'm on, what is this, the Lily Kate Show? What is this yeah. called? Let's go. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I've had you on my list to get you on the show literally for like a year and a half ever since I first heard of you. And I was like, I just need to make it happen at some point. Um, (laughs) But I beat
1: you to it and I got you on my show first.
0: (laughs) I know, I know, that's bad on my part. Uh, (laughs) I didn't take initiative, but I love being on your show. Your show's always a blast. And um, actually let's start with that then. You have a brand called Speak Truth Without Fear. What does it mean to Speak Truth Without Fear? And then where do you see the brand going in the future?
1: man well speak truth without fear it's funny the name just literally came to me because i've always been i've always struggled with the fear of man fear of rejection you know fear of failure these are like things a lot of us that haunt us and Mm -hmm. at the time i was living in los angeles i was a full-time musician music producer and i've done that since i was i mean i was 14 15 years old so i worked in the music industry my whole life and The first time that I ever got involved in politics was when I, you know, I voted for George W. Bush. And then I realized, Hmm. wait, this guy is the same thing as Obama and everyone else. And you start realizing you're seeing the trends. Um, And so when Trump ran for president and he announced it, I mistakenly should never have at the time made a post on my story for the first time in my life wearing a Trump shirt saying I'm voting for Trump. And I was living in Hollywood at the time. So, I mean, but immediately that was the first time in my life that I experienced cancel culture, lost gigs, lost friends, told everyone who said I was racist, this, this, and that. Mm. And that's kind of where I, and immediately I shut up. I deleted the post, stopped talking, and I just went with it for the next four years until obviously the pandemic hit and then got very involved. And I started realizing that the moment that I actually started speaking truth and speaking out about issues that... That are affecting all of our everyday lives, um, people will be drawn to you. People are attracted to you, and you actually will gain more influence and a bigger network because you'll make bigger impact, and people are drawn to that. And so um, that was, you know, I then I did an Instagram live, and I was like, we're just going to call this "Speak Truth Without Fear," like because that was what I was scared of in the beginning, and I realized that the moment that you actually speak truth and say everyone, say everything that everyone's thinking, but they're not willing to say that automatically yeah. people are going to look at you as a leader. You're going to gain influence, which means impact and change for a good way. So,
0: Wow, amazing. I feel like that's a story for so many people. All of a sudden, unbeknownst to and, and totally unaware of the backlash they're going to get, they post something on Instagram and instantly yep. they are labeled as all of these different horrible things. They get the exposure in in cases like we know the Patriot Sisters. They instantly get doxxed and the pageant industry turns on them. You know, for me, it was like I just lost 30,000 followers over the course of four or five months whenever I decided to start coming to to terms and grips with the fact that I wanted to be in the conservative fight. I feel like that's such a story for so many people. So many people getting canceled. Canceled, then radicalized to the right. Not radicalized, that's a bad word. You know, has a lot of bad connotation. But you know what I mean, turning to the right. And it's because the backlash is so intense that these people, you know, myself included, I probably wouldn't have gone as far right as I am now and wanted to be engaged in the fight if they hadn't canceled me in the first place. And so, you know, we hear the story too often, but in a sense we kind of want it to keep happening because it's giving us you know harder warriors it's given us great fighters it's given us so much of a platform to be able to talk about this kind of stuff and speak truth without fear and the thing i love that you said about your brand is you know you said we're just going to call it this and you know what the fight will come to us and the thing about speaking the truth is that you know people are always asking oh well what do i have to do to get involved in the fight how do i go fight and i'm like well if you start speaking the truth the fight will come to your right. doorstep exactly. fight will join you um, wherever you are in the fight, will follow you.
1: Well, and we, we are where we are today as a country, as a church, as communities, mm-hmm. because we stayed quiet and we let politicians do what they want with the no accountability. I mean, could you imagine your mother and your dad, when you were raised at five years old, never disciplined you, never kept, mm-hmm. you, never kept you accountable and let you do whatever you, ever you want. And then 10 years later, now you're 16, 17 years old, and you're a spoiled brat because mm-hmm. you have been given everything without any repercussions, without any um, accountability. And then the adults are like, oh, wait, hold on. Our daughter's actually spoil- spoiled and she has a bad attitude. We need to actually start disciplining her. It's too late. It, right. What What do you think? You think you're going to undo 12 years of no accountability and then just undo the damage with one decision? And that's really where – what happened with us, with our politicians, is we never kept our politicians accountable. We didn't know our rights. We didn't know our state constitution. We didn't know our constitution. We stayed quiet. We only focused on our own lives. And what ended up happening is we were asleep at the wheel, and our country got taken over by progressives, Marxists, communists, and that's where we are today. So that's why, you know, really with Speak Truth Out Fear, we really focus on teaching people their rights and teaching them how to get involved um, because, I mean, that's the only way, that's honestly the only thing that we can do right now with our current federal government
0: (laughs) yeah no it's brilliant and i love that you're focused on action and boots on the ground because it's one thing to be informed it's one thing to be passionate but putting that into action is obviously way more important i was talking to Braden about this on the podcast a little bit ago and we were discussing the differences between past conservatism like you mentioned right the Hands off parent, yeah. hey, as long as I don't have to pay for it, kind of conservative politics. And, um, you know, I would type that as the George Bush conservatism that is literally only really cares about tax cuts, is too timid and uncomfortable to talk about cultural issues. But now you have this surge of this new form of conservatism, which we'd label as the Ron DeSantis conservatism, has their finger on the pulse of all right. the national issues, is tackling Disney, is tackling the school system, yep. is you know, trying to protect the children where, he, you know, Ronda Sanchez is doing all the right things. He's in all the right places and he's having fun while he's doing it. Right. Or what Greg Abbott's doing, shipping the illegal immigrants who come up across the border in texas to san francisco to washington dc and shipping them there so that you know the politicians yeah. who voted for amnesty and now they're
1: complaining now that you have i don't know if you saw the mayor of dc is on the news and she's like we need to make sure that they are not supposed to be coming here and dead i was like no like the only reason why you're leaving the border open is because they're in texas but if that no, was seriously. actually in dc in the moment that DeSantis or Abbott actually started shipping them over to DC they're like wait the people the the people in DC started complaining all the lefties in DC uh-huh. all started complaining because their their comfortability and their way of life was getting disrupted god right. forbid by an illegal immigrant
0: and I thought that these were the engineers and the <laughs> doctors and the lawyers who were coming over, but apparently not, because all of the homeless shelters are getting right. filled. And you know, there's a lot of room for the church to be working in there, but there's also a lot of room for you know, not thinking walls are racist right. to be adopted as a conservative belief again. Um, but of course, you know, the church in our culture has certain responsibilities. And you're you're a Christian. I'm a Christian. We've been involved in the church pretty much our whole lives. And you know, for me, conservatism is literally not. Nothing without Christianity, it's right. the lens in which I think po- politically through, and so I'm wondering, what do you think is the biggest weakness, or the biggest corruption, or the biggest just bad idea that's working its way into the church currently?
1: Marxism, wokeism. Oof. I mean, that's that's really what you're starting to see in the church today. And I, I mean, I I saw that when I was living in. I mean, I was living in Hollywood, and you know, mm. it was rare to find a church. That actually didn't stand for biblical principles and um it was pretty antichrist. and so i think we've, yeah we've pastors i mean obviously money is a big thing and and um we've allowed pastors have a fear of rejection they're scared of offending people when even though mm-hmm. jesus was the most incredible but also offensive person to ever walk on the planet and so we have pastors nowadays that Aren't willing to speak truth, and they just mm. want people to feel comfortable. And I, and again, there is like the way I view church is, you know, your Sunday morning service. This is for the multitudes. This is the parables. This is like you're, you're just, you're basically, it's, it's for the for everyone in the masses. But you cannot, um, you can't basically water down the word of God and water down the truth so that, and then also not have a discipleship plan and actually teach people how to grow okay. in their journey, then just let them stay where they are which is exactly what Jesus was talking about, about being a loop, lukewarm believer. But more, more than anything, I think it's we've allowed Marxist ideologies enter into the church, and it's actually uh, changing the way that Christians read the Bible, Christians, that, how they see eternity, if Jesus is actually the only way or however you want interpret to interpret that. Um, but mm. we've allowed wokeism and Marxism and culture actually influence the church instead of the church right. influencing culture.
0: Right. I really want to go into this Marxist idea because I think there's something super important here that I haven't actually brought myself to cover on this podcast yet. Because, you know, in Marxism, I mean, you know, Marxism is a financial um, first ideology, right? right? It's the idea of who owns the means of production and who is seizing the means and who should overthrow, right? In the 1960s, Marxist principles, financial principles really started to be uh, applied in culture. We see this, of course, with the radicalization of second wave feminists and how they, they started to think of the relation between man and woman as man is powerful and it is the on the top you know they're the the bourgeoisie and then the pro uh, is it the proletariat on the bottom Mm -hmm. who overthrows and women are to overthrow men women are to become superior and um you know take and fill out all the institutions that men are currently in um and so can you describe to me like if if this is the right train of thought how marxist uh cultural divides aka one class on top the other class on bottom because that's that's the framework in which marxism exists how has that really infiltrated the church
1: well when it comes to the church i mean you have well let's just talk about marxism the, the marxism was is actually i mean it's the equal or parallel to communism and right, they totally. created the entire you know the communist manifesto and those that created it were were actually jews which is a whole other in, interesting historical thing But they created the Marxism ideology, which Karl Marx created, because he knew that communism would actually get so much pushback. So they basically made it more about social justice issues and financial things and equality, which then leads to feminism. And then if you actually read the, you know, you remember, we all remember when the BLM, mission statement was on their website and they ended up taking it down. And what was the purpose of Marxism? It's to disrupt. We are
0: trained Marxists. Yes. We
1: are trained Marxists to disrupt and basically, oh gosh, I keep hitting my mic. We're trained Marxists to, (laughs) to, um, to disrupt and destroy the nuclear family, the art, the traditions of basically how God created things to be. And so with that, they use all of these social justice things that the church now is adopting in their theology And they're actually using it, and they're basically twisting scripture to actually keep their people end up being happy. And so when you – gosh, I keep doing this. This is horrible. See, this is the new – we're in a new studio right now. I just moved (laughs) to my new place. I'm not used to having this right here. Uh, If you're listening right now, I keep hitting my mic. That's what's happening. You probably can't (laughs) see me. Um, But that is the main thing. And you see it, though, in so many issues. Like, I mean, for instance, feminism – Black Lives Matter, and they've taken all of these Marxist ideologies. And there's a, actually a book, Lily-Kate, that I tell all my followers and a podcast to listen to, and it's called the Love Letter to America. And it's a 70-page book about a, um, a, a KGB informant that was uh-huh. worked for the Soviet Union. And he was the head. He was basically over all of the propaganda, and they u- right. and they wanted to basically turn capitalists and free countries into a communist country. But they didn't want to use military force. So what they did was they used propaganda. And he writes this entire letter back in the 1980s, warning the United States, saying, "We have spies in your country." Because he flipped, we have spies in your country, in the education system, in your government, and local communities, in your teachers' unions everywhere throughout your whole country, and we are purposely implementing Marxist ideologies to destroy America from within without having to use military force. Fast forward now 40 to 50 years later, we're talking about we don't even know what a woman is. We're talking about we don't even know what a man is or a birthing person, or now we have we, the entire, I mean, parents aren't having kids, children anymore. They Women don't want to get married. Men don't want to get married. Everyone is selfish, and this culture is actually being created because our education system took the Bible out, took our founding principles out, and it was all because they wanted to slowly implement these Marxist ideologies back from the 1980s. And it's, it's an incredible book, and it's, you'll actually you see the entire breakdown.
0: Just gave me chills. <laughs> I can, I can't believe I haven't read that. I literally wrote the name down. So we're going to buy that book and we're going to read it, and then we will do an in-depth yes. dive on the Lily Kate Show. Ex Jordan Sarmo. I've read it like four
1: times. To. It's incredible. Oh my
0: gosh! All right, I got to catch up that. It's the easiest read.
1: It's the easiest read.
0: Oh yeah, totally. But no, you're exactly you're exactly right. I mean, we know this has been purposeful. Willie, uh, not William Wilberforce. Um, what was his name? He was a president in the 1920s. Woodrow uh, Wilson, uh, Wilson literally said that the point of the university, aka college higher education, is to make a man the most unlike his father. Wow. You know, we've seen this, but now that if we have, you know, confirmation that the Marxist ideology is actually purposely getting put into the American um church, the American thinking, the American way of life, then um yeah, that's that's really, really scary. And I think you're right. I mean, cultural Marxism The idea of power, but the idea of compliance and the idea of top-down control is really hurting our society because when you're compliant, I mean, you're not going to fight against anything, especially like in ancient Rome when they had bread and games, they were fat and happy and entertained. Therefore, they weren't going to do anything about it.
1: Well, I mean, think about how much culture Marxism has convinced women and men to kill their babies, even uh-huh. at 30 weeks, even at no, 30. No. I mean, it's, it's insane. I, this, I've, and talk about speech truth out fear. I've never in my life, hardly ever until about, I don't know, a couple of months ago, really spoken out on the issue of abortion because number one, yeah. I felt uneducated. I didn't know enough about it. It was super controversial. I knew there was a lot of, there's a lot of conservatives that are all that were, or still are pro-choice. And that was mm-hmm. an issue that was just, I didn't want to touch but then with everything that's going on in culture today i decided to take a deep dive and oh my gosh like i guarantee you that and this is a, the this is the issue of propaganda mm. 9 out of 10 of women that actually go get an abortion don't even know the process don't know what they do they don't even they never even got to hear the heartbeat and if the if no. the if the abortionist physicians actually showed them the heartbeat told them what how they're going to process an abortion at the second and third trimester i mean third trimester if, guys, if you're listening, go to live action and watch the third – how a doctor Amen. who has actually done over 1,200 abortions, and ha- he basically explains how he does a third trimester. You literally kill the baby in the womb, and then the woman has to give birth. Never knew about that. And so a big mm-hmm. part of culture right now is that we've been so propagandized that we're actually fighting for something that we don't even know about anymore. And we're yeah. so indoctrinated by these Marxist ideologies that you can tell them till they're blue in the face what's happening, but unless they actually see it, which mm-hmm. if we actually show it, it gets censored and pushed down by big tech anyways. If they actually see it, they don't they, they won't believe it if they don't. So that's I mean, it's it's wild.
0: Yeah, I'm so proud that you're speaking about abortion because I recently watched a documentary doing a deep dive into the founding of the eugenics movement, how the original like birth control organizations that were really pushing birth control were not only funded by the most rich Rockefeller-type oligarch Democrats, right. but they needed Margaret Sanger to champion them. The same company that Margaret Sanger used to create the birth control pills was renamed after World War II, because they were getting a lot of flack for being the same company that produced the gas that killed all the Jews yeah. in um, wow. at Auschwitz. And so there's so much darkness in here. And you know what's really interesting, too? Most people don't even know the history of Planned Parenthood. Planned right. Parenthood, and specifically birth control, after you know the slaves were freed, was was pointed straight at the black population. Margaret Sanger hated black people. She is obviously one of the It was called the Negro Project
1: before Planned Parenthood.
0: Literally. No, literally. <laughs> and the other thing is, too, like Margaret Sanger was a big donor and would t- uh, go organize and speak at these big conventions that were happening, you know, in a Davos-style sty- place and, you know, James Bond villain yep. type of conferences. But w- they take voter uh, roles of who's all there, right? It was Margaret Sanger and a bunch of people in, like, Hitler's cabinet. Mm. A bunch of people yep. who not only just hated black people but hated all other types of races and we're looking for you know the perfect racial type of you know the the what's it called the um the Ubermensch, they were looking for that type, and they all believed the same thing. And so once you say, you know, people at Margaret Sanger's events, who was the founder of Planned Parenthood that would eventually become Planned Parenthood, were also people in Hitler's cabinet. You know, the Germans in World War Two cast out, I mean, just as many black people as they did for the Jews. You don't learn about that in public school. Right. You know, and you don't learn about the insidious eugenics movement that was literally used in America specifically to eradicate the black population, they're doing that exact same thing. And they're just lied to and said, no, this is for your good. It's for your empowerment. And of course, we know that abortion is really just a means of you know, tackling the economic argument 100%. saying, well, you won't be able to work a desk job forever if you don't get an abortion. And so well, and, it's so ugly, but I'm so pumped that you're talking about it and now. Yeah,
1: and, and this week I learned something about abortion and I wasn't planning on talking about abortion right now, but you know, I, <laughs> I, you know, started, I watched a couple of videos on the second and third trimester. And then I posted a, a question to let people leave comments on their, um, on my Instagram story. And I asked them, Hey, I just heard, I just read a story that this one parent was told that their baby was going to be mentally challenged and they encouraged their baby to, the doctor said that you need to abort your child or re, they were mm-hmm. recommended it they didn't end up doing it and the baby came out perfectly fine so i shared that story on my instagram story i said has this happened to you lily kate i promise you i'm not even exaggerating i had over 120 mothers send me and i'm just going to read one this is one out of literally 120 They told me, they told me at five months that I should terminate my pregnancy because my daughter had two cysts on her brain. That was an indication that she would have down syndrome. They didn't know the extent of her birth defects. Long story short, her baby is now seven years old, completely fine. I could go down a list of over 100 stories with pictures that they said at 22 weeks, 17 weeks, 30 weeks, 24 weeks. That someone had a cyst on their brain. Another person had too thick of a neck, which would possibly cause them to be paralyzed. In hundred over a hundred stories, just from my small Instagram account, and every ninety percent of them were all saying the doctors told them that their baby would be would be mentally challenged or disabled. Every single one, healthy, born healthy, twenty two weeks, twenty five weeks, twenty seven weeks. And the lie is, is that we don't even realize the type of genocide that's actually happening within our own country under our yeah. watch under the, under the disguise of your child's mentally challenged or your child's going to be Gosh. sick so you need to actually terminate your child. And how many women no, actually that's, listen that's- to that lie?
0: Oh my gosh, that's actually insane. And we definitely need to like make a post about that and send it to live action because I think that'd be great ammunition for them. But yeah, we're so scared of our lives being minorly inconvenienced by having a child with a disability that we are literally willing to give up the child's life. You know you know what's really interesting? A while back, I think two, three years ago, Sweden was like, everybody, let's celebrate. We're 100% Down syndrome free. And it's like, oh, really so what are the women eating what are they doing what's the diet they're like oh no because it's actually mandatory that you abort every down syndrome child or potential down syndrome child in sweden Wow. That's how they get 100 percent down free. That is, I mean, immoral, disgusting. And we as pro-lifers Sick. have to be open to life of every caliber life that is going to be lived for a short while, maybe life that's going to be lived up till the person's 80 years old as a pro-lifer. And that's, you know, that's that's hard for a woman to be in, especially in she, if she's in a position where she's like, oh, man. I can't take care of a child, you know, we all hear, there are situations where women are in unfortunate, unfortunate times. And that's, of course, where the church and pregnancy, pregnancy centers need to step in and help. Um, you know, but The abortion clinics are capitalizing on the fear of these women, the fear that they're going to be taped down forever taking care of a a child who may have a disability. You know, it's so evil. They're sticking the knife in and they're twisting it on these women. And these poor women can't see it because they're so blinded by fear and lack of security in the family structure, lack of security that the church will help them. Or they don't know what resources to go to. And so, you know, it's such a massive issue that we need to tackle. You know, but at the very least, you know, pro-lifers, we need to be able to say, I will adopt your child if you are 100%. wanting to get an abortion. Because that's really the most radically loving answer that you can give.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, it's the big lie between all this. It's the left that's actually telling the woman, you know, they they paint these things as women's rights, health care, you know. But really what they're saying is you're not smart enough to actually have a baby and still be successful. You're not courageous enough. You're not brave enough. You're not going to make it. You're not going to be successful. And they actually use lies and negativity and shame to actually get them to join. Oh, you're right. You know what? I need this because if not – and then we've also trained people to actually – not have consequences for their own actions and not take personal right. responsibility, including men. The choice was before you had sex. Yeah, like yo, you didn't rock a condom, you had sex with someone you didn't have a baby with. You didn't take a morning after pill. Like you had like four or five different things that you could actually do before you waited to your twenty two weeks where now you actually have to have a baby that actually feels pain. And so right. again, like and again I know that's it's not so black and white, but there are but we have actually what this has actually done is it's basically taught culture You can do whatever you want without any consequences, and then when you you do have that consequence, you're not smart enough and you're not brave enough. You're not courageous enough to actually take personal responsibility. And then you've also trained men to basically say, hey, go get an abortion. I know we had sex. I know I didn't wear a condom. I know we shouldn't be having sex anyways, but I don't want to take personal responsibility. Go kill the baby. That's That's what we've taught. It's terrible. It's horrible
0: yeah i mean that's a direct attack on masculinity and masculine pride of course because men want to be told that they are capable they can handle it they can rise to the occasion and abortion is literally just giving them an easy way out well i'm gonna have to end it here jordan we must have you back to cover a love letter to america because i'm sure there will be so much in there that we have to unpack um this was amazing thank you so much for coming on
1: thank you